those listening to uh, our podcast and uh, grateful for a little bit of a break. Hopefully you listener had a break uh, with Thanksgiving and got to spend time with people. We got a break from the routine and that's always helpful, but we're excited to get back and talk about our podcast today. We had been talking about world religions and, and had covered some broad topics in world religion and did that intentionally leading toward the month of December. And so as you're listening to this, it's the first week, uh, first few days of December, I should say. And um, uh, of course, at December, we think about Christmas. And from the Christian perspective, Christmas is about Christ. Uh, it's about the, the virgin birth. It's about the first advent, the coming of Jesus. Uh, we would put it in theological terms of the incarnation. Uh, but we wanted to kind of end the world religion talking about uh, the one true religion, uh, belief in following the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we talk about following Jesus, we need to realize the world has its own idea of who Jesus is. And so we want to we wanna think carefully and process carefully and communicate carefully with the world when we're talking about Jesus. What's interesting to see that in the New York Times, they have articles out and just here recently, there was one that was talking about Carissa Schumacher, and it's called In Good Spirits. And the way that they see the world and encounter religion, or maybe I should not say religion, the way that they encounter spirituality mm-hmm. is through this new ageism idea, right? Yeah. And it's going to be important for us to be able to know how to converse with people. I mean, if it's on the New York Times and people are obviously talking about it, right? right. And she is claiming that she is channeling Jesus and mm-hmm. she's referring to him as Yeshua yeah. and she's channeling him for her clients. Now, she supposedly hasn't channeled him very often, but one of her goals is that. And she says that she was, she's known that she has always been called to channel Yeshua. And I just find that very intriguing that she desires to tap into the spiritual world, but she's doing it through she's doing it as a medium, right? She's trying to call up the dead, but Jesus isn't dead. (laughs) Jesus is alive. And that's going to be a major difference here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's shocking to hear that kind of thing. I mean, we, we've, we know about mediums and, uh, you can, you can use your computer or there's phone numbers you can call and talk to mediums and, people want to get answers from dead relatives or, you know, they're concerned about how to get answers to big decisions they're making in their life or whatever. And they think this is a source to get some spiritual guidance. Uh, It's a sign the world is looking for spiritual guidance. Uh, And, and she's getting a lot of press and she's in the New York times because it's famous people that come to her that want spiritual guidance. And so if the famous people are going, the newspapers or media is going to report on it. And then we're going to read about it, but it just creates this huge interest of uh, wanting to f- discover and find this spiritual connection that people are obviously looking for. Yeah, and looking for answers. And I just want to revisit what you said just a second ago on people wanting to be spiritual, which is interesting because N.T. Wright 
wrote a book called Simply Christian, and he talks about four different ideas that people are looking for in the world. One of them is justice, one of them is spirituality, one of them is community, and one of them is beauty. And he talks about how you can actually use the idea of people seeking spirituality as a springboard in apologetics as you're trying to share with people or share the truth with people because everybody has this sense of wanting to be spiritual. Why is that? And do they have the truth? And I think that that is a really good springboard. Yeah, yeah. And we are spiritual, right? I mean, the Bible clearly tells us that we're not just physical, we're not just body, but we have a spirit. And, and we're created to know God, even though we are denying that fact um, in our fallen human nature, we're created to know him. And so this, this, is, this is the fallen nature reaching out and trying to discover it. It realizes there's something absent uh, and, and the desire to connect. And, and the fact that she is wanting or has claimed to, not just wanting, she's claimed to channel Yeshua, uh, or the Hebrew name for Jesus uh, is astounding. Uh, and of course, they're going to report it because of celebrities, but it's also great timing for them as you move into Christmas, right? You always see some kind of news article about was Jesus real or what about the historical Jesus or what really happened. And, and so it's not surprising that it would come out right now and be talked about. But what a great opportunity for us mm-hmm. to talk with people. Like you say, if it's in the New York Times, people are going to talk about it yeah, uh, or they're going to have heard something about it. And so it's a great opportunity for us to get to talk to them about who the real Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So um, in thinking about that, Jesus, uh, he, he claimed to be God. And so whatever she believes she's channeling, we know that what the Bible has revealed to us is God's word. It's true. And the Bible gives us the story of Jesus, his coming, his birth, uh, or what we call the incarnation, uh, which is the infleshing of, of God. So John 1.14 is the verse that many people would think of that would be listening to this and our believers. Uh, John 1, the whole first chapter really laying out a claim, a claim of Jesus' deity, but uh, John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's making very clear that the word, he's using the term, the word, to refer to Jesus. And so Jesus is God who became flesh among us. That's that's the very first claim, the very deepest understanding of what the incarnation is. Yeah, and the Jewish rulers knew that, right? I mean, when Jesus was on the earth and the expression of God in humanity, yeah. then he would be among the people and he would do something like heal somebody or raise somebody from the dead or he would he would make the lame walk right he would do something like this and at the end of the day the rulers were not upset because he was doing these miracles they were upset because he was equating himself with God and In the Old Testament, it's so clear, especially when you look at passages in Ezekiel or in Isaiah, and you can see that God is laying out the plan that he is coming and that there is going to be this Savior that is going to take the place 
for the sinner so that the sinner can be reconciled to God. And here Jesus comes in on the scene and he is telling them, I am the one. Don't you know the Old Testament? Don't you know that it is written? And he's constantly repeating himself, trying to uh, communicate that he is God in the flesh. Yeah, which is really the story of the virgin birth, right? The, the, it, it begins when we think about Christmas and everyone will see a nativity scene at some point. Uh, or there'll be an argument about whether there should be nativity scenes seen in public or whatever. But <laughs> that, that will all be going on. But the, the point of the nativity scene is is not the story of worried travelers that have a baby in a, in a manger or a, a cave or a stable or whatever. Uh, the story of the nativity is he came about because of a virgin conception, a miraculous conception, Holy Spirit conceiving uh deity into Mary so that a human could be given birth. And the the interesting thing about the virgin conception and then Jesus' birth is that none of his deity gets laid aside by yeah. that, right? He, he comes in the flesh, but he doesn't give up any of his deity, nor does his deity overshadow the fact that he's completely and fully human, that he experiences all that a normal human baby would go through, the same temptations that young people and adults would go through and did all that sinlessly. The beautiful picture about not only him coming in the flesh, um, but that at Christmas time, hope is here. I mean, Mm -hmm. you see all the Christmas lights and you see all the music and all of those things. And what are people grasping for? They're grasping for peace and love and hope on earth. And Christ has come and he's coming again and he's going to restore all things and make it all new to where the sin is no more. Right. And that's the beauty of the picture is that we're sitting around. That's why I like that, that song. I heard the bells, Mm -hmm. right? Because in the poem that Longfellow wrote, you know, he's looking around, he's talking about how everything that we look at and see this death and this suffering it's all such a hardship and what i want to say is that there must not be a god right but then the song comes around and and says no 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 god is not dead nor does he sleep he has come and this is the hope that's in christmas and i love this time of year because you get the opportunity to be able to talk about that hope and i my my number one favorite is the resurrection, Easter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is, I would say, my number two favorite. But it's my favorite because yeah. of what it brings to people. Yeah. And it gives encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they are searching. And, and I, I think that's, you know, as a, as a Christian, uh, sometimes there's this pull and there's this angst inside of us of enjoying Christmas too much in the physical side of life and not celebrating Jesus enough. And so you get this kind of tug of war sometimes even in your own spirit. And I really run after and embrace all the Christmas stuff mm-hmm. because it is joyful. And, and I know the purpose behind the joy and it's hopeful. And I know the purpose behind the hope and people are thinking and talking about it. And so it's natural to be able to engage in that mm-hmm. and to take Jesus out of the manger and present to them the full the full Jesus and the real hope that lies in following Christ. And and that really comes out of, you know, 
yes, the incarnation. He came, God came in the flesh, but then he did live. And, and through his life, the, the Bible is showing us Jesus is making these claims. He's the only way. He's the only one that there that provides eternal life. He's the only one that brings healing. Right? He's he's got these specific claims that come out of the scripture. And to be able to point people to some of those claims and go, that's why we're so hopeful. I'm not hopeful about a baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm not hopeful about trees and lights and presents and but to me that's all the symbol of God is so grand. Right. And there's so much joy and so much hope that 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 season, that spirit of enjoyment and hope is a reflection of what it'll always be like when Jesus claims are true. Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned was he him claiming, you know, to forgive sin. And I think some of the greatest passages is you can look in the Old Testament. It is only God alone who forgives sin. Mm-hmm. Then Jesus is on the scene, and he, he he is the one who is forgiving sin. Yeah. And the Jews are so upset about it. But this is such a great hope and a light to us, yeah. right? Yeah. To be able to say, we are forgiven. Yeah. We can be reconciled to God. And that allows us to be reconciled to man. And yeah. when we see this at the Christmas time, at the Christmas season, yeah. and so many people are on edge because of different family members, maybe they've had some challenges with, or maybe they just don't know how to communicate well, or different things like that. I mean, they are seeking peace. And yeah. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so as as we're encountering those things, we can, you know, walk in his forgiveness. He's forgiven us so much. It may be really hard. Yeah. It, it, it may take time, but just one step at a time to try to move toward restoring those relationships and to reflect those things of God. And you're not going to see that in this new age stuff. Right. You're not going to see that in, in the ideas of some of the religions that we've talked about. I mean, the restoration. Instead, they're trying to be one with everything and basically remove the identity mm-hmm. of who they are because that's essentially what's happening. And instead, God is like, no, 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 I created you. I know every hair on your head. It's specific. And so you're not going to see that in these other world religions that we've talked about. Christ has come with a message that's unique and we ought to do what C.S. Lewis told us. You know, we ought to contemplate who is this man named Jesus. Right. The the idea that Jesus claimed to have the truth and be the truth, and then you have a scenario like we talked about with Carissa Schumacher, this medium and channelist that is, she's going to bring you your spiritual light by talking to the dead. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's where you're going to, that's where you're going to base your life. That's how you're going to draw your truth. He's claimed truth. He is the truth. He claimed to be the truth. And so it's, it, it's just, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm wanting to laugh. It's sad, but it's almost comical that we're in such search for something that is available to us, but we're rejecting that. And that's what all world religions are, the rejection of the truth. Jesus Jesus made his claim to be the truth, to have the truth, and to be eternal life. And yet, as we talked about Hinduism and Buddhism and New Age spirituality, talked about Islam, we talked about Judaism, 
Uh, all of these, all of these run at the truth and then miss. And he mm-hmm. is the truth, right? And they they have the they have the wrong source, they have the wrong end, mm-hmm. and they have the wrong path. And he's he's claimed to be the source and the path and the result. Yeah, and it gives the answers for life, right? I mean, just Christianity in general, as Jesus is in the world, he is receiving worship, right? Mm -hmm. In the Old Testament, what you see is that Yahweh says what in the Ten Commandments? Like, worship no other gods. And here you have Jesus receiving worship, and yet he's also called a shepherd, He's here to gently care for his people. He's he's here to gently care for your hurts and your wounds and and he he wants to restore those things. And and he knows. He he sees and sometimes we can feel like, oh, our prayers are hitting the ceiling or oh, you know, my hurts and my needs are so deep and I I just don't sense any any healing or or connection, but it, it may not be in this life that God heals us wholly, right? Physically, or, you know, if we have wounds and things that are not going to be healed until eternity, but one day we will see him face to face if we put our faith and trust in him. And he will bring the fullness of his peace and his grace and the restoration of some of the things that we can't see here, right? right? He will bring justice because he is justice. And to know him is to know God. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. his claim. To know him is to know God. And when we think about encountering with people, sometimes we get so excited about different people that we meet or see or something like that. And that's what's happening in that article. I mean, they're name dropping all these people who's Mm -hmm. calling this lady. But I'm sitting around going, but do you know I know Jesus? Have you not seen? Have you not heard? This is God. And he knows me and I know him. And this is amazing. We know the King of Kings. Yeah. Yeah. We're, We're not hanging around or in the same place as famous people. Right. Which is what so many people are putting their their whole worth in. I was close to this person who's this well known or whatever. We we know at a personal level the one who rules all things, the maker of all things, the ruler of the universe, and the one who came in the flesh. This is Jesus. We we know him and he knows us. And that's not a claim of pride, that's a humble claim that we would get to know him. Yes, and yes. So, oh my goodness, it's amazing that this gets to be true. We talk about the theological concepts of transcendence and eminence. He is greater and bigger than all. He's overall, and yet he's near and he's close and he's dear and he cares. And that's the whole picture of the incarnation. God became flesh and he dwelt among his people mm-hmm. and he was touchable and he was relatable. And that's who he still is in, in our lives. And that's who we want to introduce other people to. And Christmas is a great opportunity to begin to do that. It lays a foundation of conversations to begin to say, hey, let's talk a little bit more about this Jesus that Christmas is all about. Yeah, and one of the ways that we can do that is by 
we send out Christmas cards, right? Yeah. Which is a great thing. I love that people get Christmas cards and you walk into their house and they're all hanging on their fireplace or mm-hmm. they're all hanging, you know, all over the wall. And it's it's showing that people care for one another. They just want to drop a card in the mail. That card can have something of the gospel in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can share that way. It's a great way to yeah. be able to share ideas and and who knows you may share something or a small story you may share a poem or or something that is in connection with relationship with christ and they may take that and share that with five other people you have no idea right Right. i mean you can share something on facebook and i mean it can get shared 52 (laughs) times and 52 times it can go through someone's feed who has you know 600 people in their feed so you really don't know how far reaching you can be when you're encouraging others by the one who is the encourager, which is Christ. Yeah, yeah. It's a great way to just plant another seed. And you don't know you're sending somebody a card and somebody else is sending them a card. And between three or four people sending some kind of Christian, not just a Christian sentiment, okay? I'm, mm-hmm. You know, not a Christmas card that is Jesus is the Prince of Peace or Jesus is the light of the world, or but taking some time and thought to put a note in there that truly expresses the gospel, but you plant a seed and somebody else plants a seed and somebody else, who knows how many times a person that doesn't know Jesus may be presented with the wholeness of the gospel in that kind of setting. It's a great way to, to be sharing the gospel. Um, one of the things that um, we do and encourage is uh, with our own neighbors, we always like to take them a little treat. We make a lot of Christmas goodies and we receive a lot of Christmas goodies during the season. So <laughs> we can't eat all this food, but we have neighbors and we love them and we care about them. And it's a good time of year to just remind them that we're glad they're our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll put together little baskets or plates of goodies and cookies and snacks that we have. And then we'll attach a note of our gratefulness to them and another message of this is what Christmas is about to us. Jesus coming, being our Savior, and our hope is found in Him. We put a note with it like that, and then we go to their home and deliver that and, and give it to them. Uh, and, and we're giving a personal touch. And sometimes we even sing to them. I'm not sure they always appreciate that part <laughs> of it, but they do get the gospel along with it. Yeah, that is so great. I tell you, you know, one of the ways that people can share at Christmas time is sharing the Christmas story. Mm-hmm. You know, gathering with your family, you may say to yourself, oh, but my family never has shared the Christmas story before. I want you to know I was that person, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then something happened about eight years ago or so. I can't remember exactly how long it's been. But I I had asked my family if they wouldn't mind if I shared a story. And I shared a story that year that just communicated my love for them and just some circumstances that happened and shared the gospel in that. And interesting is that from that point on, we shared the gospel story every year after that Mm -hmm. in my family. And each year now, somebody different has been giving their testimony, like my brother-in-law giving his testimony, or, you know, we'll tell a story about shepherds and what shepherds did during the time of Jesus Mm -hmm. and how that relates to the good shepherd of John 10 and just sharing those things. And, And it doesn't take very long. And it's the best time. People are so open 
to being able to do it at that time. So yeah. that's just another way you can share. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about sharing the gospel. And, and when we do that, oftentimes we think about the world and lost people that we may run into. But what about our own children? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, raising our, our kids, we nightly, when they were young, took time to do Advent and um, read part of the story of Luke's gospel and sang a Christmas carol together and would light a candle and say a prayer. And we would do that night after night and build on the story until we had read all the way through Luke 2 and then culminate on Christmas Eve and read the whole story one last time. Um, Just with our kids and our family, but just implanting the seeds of the gospel over and over in their heart of, of what this is all about and why we celebrate and why there's so much joy in this season. Uh, so yes, we want to share with the world, but we have our own family to share with. And so, um, man, there's so many good ways to be sharing the gospel. Uh, I know this just statistically, people are more open. The world is more open according to surveys to being invited to church for Christmas events than they are for Easter. And I think that used to be a reverse, at least in our minds, that, hey, it's Easter and it's Resurrection Sunday and it's going to be a big day at church. And so invite all your friends and lost family members to Easter Sunday service. And the truth is people are more open to be invited to a Christmas service at your church, a Christmas Eve service at your church than they would be to that. They're just open to the season. And so if you're just simply going to your coworkers and your schoolmates and your neighbors and saying, hey, our church does these things at Christmas. This is a great Christmas play. You should watch it. Uh, we're having our Christmas Sunday service this day. Would you come? We're, we're doing a Christmas Eve service. Would you like to be present? Uh, they're open. In fact, uh, Tom Rayner says uh, the statistics are super high that they will say yes if they're personally invited to a wow. Christmas event over and above an Easter event. And so I just encourage, just invite. If you're like, I don't know what else to do for this person. Like this person's so hard for me to reach. Can you just invite them to come? Mm-hmm. Send a text and say, hey, tomorrow night is our Christmas service. Would you come? Uh, who knows? You know, And then yeah. pray as you send. But there's lots of ways to do that. We want, we want people to know that um, as we've talked about world religions, uh, Christ is the center of Christianity. It's not just a religion, it's a relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. So he is the only true religion. All others are under the domain of a false gospel and uh, evil spirit. And so uh, that's where we are. And Christmas gives us a great opportunity to forward the cause of Christ. And we hope you'll do that. Thanks for listening to the analysis.